from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Some of you know me as your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Others know me as El Macho. Those are my pronouns, by the way, El and Macho. Happy to be with you guys tonight. It's Wednesday, and there's always a lot to talk about. You've got uh, a bunch of stories that we're going to get into. Joe El Baboso Biden's talking about climate change. We're going to dig into that a little bit later. But right now, I want to talk about uh, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. Uh, the Trump campaign has raised over $20 million in August. That's a whole bunch of money. I've never had $20 million. I don't know about you. But it, it, to me, this is a real sign of we, the people, uh, the American people, the public saying, you know what? We support this guy. And the reason they support him, uh, I'm presuming, is because he seems to be fighting the odds. He has, in effect, become the little guy. Even though he's a billionaire um, real estate mogul from New York City, he exemplifies and personifies the little guy. He exemplifies you and me and so many other people who are, you know, trying to get through life but have obstacles thrown our way. And the obstacles that he's getting are the obstacles of big government, which, in effect, prevent the pursuit of life, liberty, and, and, and happiness for so many Americans, right? Big government gets in the way in a lot of things. Just take an example. Uh, let's look at the hood, right? The ghetto. When you look at the ghetto, the hood, and I don't know if that's uh, even PC to say anymore, but impoverished areas, urban communities, they, they seem, in my opinion, to be held back by government systems, systemic oppression, Right. And it's not racism. It's systemic oppression from the government. The government is what holds people back. If you create a housing project for people that are poor, but you tell them, listen, you can only be here for a little while. We're going to you know, help you get on your feet in one way or another. Cash assistance, this, that social workers, whatever it is. And you're going to help somebody, you know, uh, with it with a hand up and not a handout. They should ideally get out. Right. This should be a transitional program, um, public housing. It's a perpetual thing to help people along the way forever, but not to help the same people forever, right? It should be you go in, you spend a couple of years there, you work on your life, you, you try to get you a job, you get you the skills you need to become a productive member of society. But what does the government do instead? Instead, what we decide to do is we say, you know what? We're going to take a page from Senator Bernie Sanders. Bernard Sanders, health care is a right. This is a right. Communism is good. I'm throwing that one in there. He says democratic socialism is the way to go. Now, when Bernie Sanders says stuff like that and the government, in, in effect, does that same thing to help people that are already facing hardship in life, all it does is create a permanent situation for poverty. And you perpetuate the poverty. So you have parents that are having children in public housing and then moving on to having more children in public housing. And it's a way of life. This is not the American dream. This is not what America stands for. And this is not what America should be doing in terms of our federal government. But it's exactly what we do. And that's just one example. We see that example uh, all over the place, right? There's so many examples of government getting in the way and stopping people from doing what they need to do. Now, that doesn't mean that you, me, and, and you know the producers in the control room are, are feeling stifled by government today uh, in every way of their life, but in some ways. And the fundamental 
picture I'm trying to paint here is that we can't move forward in life if the government's constantly in the way. Now, when you have people that are radical, radical people like me, I'm a radical patriot. I radically love this country. I radically love liberty. And these are things that I'm happy to be called a radical about, a fanatic, if you will, because I think you need to be. You have to hold on to the things you believe. And this is why I'm always cordial to the people that disagree with me because they're holding on to what they believe in. And that's fine. And I'm happy to prove them wrong if I get the chance. But the bottom line is, I try to hold on to things that I think are good for all of us, for the betterment of society, for my family, for my children, for the future, for this country. And if that's not the litmus that you're using, then you're systemically oppressing, systemically hurting people through government. So when you have candidates that are now positioning themselves to become president of the United States and whatnot, we have to ask ourselves, are we really going to root for somebody who's going to stand for more government and bigger government and more control of our lives, less freedom, less liberty, more red tape, more regulation, less business freedom or not? And I think that's always the fundamental question. And every now and again, I, I want to call these things out because as, as important it is to call out the left within the media, to call out the left within academia, the left within the public school system and the teachers union. It's also important to call out what's good, right? The fundamental um, natural rights that are afforded to us by God and and uh, codified in the Constitution, right? These are not rights or, or limitations that are put on us by the government. These are the limitations that we, the people, put on the government, saying, hey, these are the things we're allowed to do because we were given these rights by God. These are our natural rights. So why am I on this high horse today? Why am I on this tangent? Well, because I think sometimes we just lose sight of what this whole thing is about. And Reagan, and I say it all the time, and I'll say it again, Reagan said it best, you got to get off my back and out of my pocket. You've got Kathy Hochul in New York City today saying that she's calling on the Biden administration to pursue executive action on the migrant crisis in New York City. And it's, it's, why don't you listen to this? That's why today I have sent a letter to President Biden formally requesting immediate executive action in four key areas. First, expedited work authorization so we can get these people out of shelters and into the jobs. Financial support for federal housing vouchers, schools, health care, legal services, case management and shelter for us to provide. So these are this lady, seekers. Kathy Hochul, she's really a clown, in my opinion. This is a clownish statement to make. But again, she's wearing it on her sleeve. She's telling the truth. So pay attention to pe- who people tell you who they are when they tell you, because it's true. She's saying we, we are getting people coming right across the border, getting shuttled into New York City. We're putting them up in hotels that the city is paying for. They're trying to get federal money to cover that as well. And now she's saying we want more money so that we can get them housing assistance and get them into the jobs. Now, listen, I want everybody in, in, in the world to be a productive, um, you know, money earning person. Great. But when we have a situation where employment is 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 mitigating the financial crisis that we're in and you've got Americans that are out of work. And you have people that are coming to this country that aren't here, quote unquote, legally. But the reality is our president is literally opening up the door and letting them in. So by invitation, they have come. This is a problem. And I think every American should be outraged. It's crazy to me to think that Congress has to decide whether or not we're going to be funding the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And he's doing a horrible job. So we're going to talk about that uh, straight ahead with uh, Congressman Keith Self about defunding Mayorkas, defunding the work that they're doing since they're not doing their job to begin with. But ultimately, we have to take a strong look at at 
at ourselves. And I know many of you that listen are very finger on the pulse kind of people. You know what's going on. You're very uh, educated, informed patriots, and that's great. But we need to multiply ourselves. We need more people to understand that these issues, this isn't about, oh, I'm not into politics. I don't like pie. I stay away from that. You can't stay away from that because if you're working and you have a child or two children or three and you have a family and you're trying to make it in this world and you're looking for a paycheck that resembles the work that you did and you don't want to get hammered on taxes, you've got to pay attention to this stuff. If you want to grow up in a safe neighborhood, you've got to pay attention to this stuff. So don't listen to Bernard Sanders and his health care is a right and all these other crazy things that he says because it's crazy. And don't listen to Mitch McConnell either because you know, and I got a funny clip of audio on him. We'll play that on the way back where he just freezes up and poor guy. I don't want to make fun of him, but it's kind of hard not to make fun of the situation. Anyway, there is so much more to come straight ahead. So stick with me, folks. Kick up your feet. Turn up the radio. Get the family gathered around the radio like you did back in the days. We're doing some old school talk radio here tonight, and I don't want you to miss it. More to come straight ahead. Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Eric Adams, the New York mayor, is saying about these migrants uh, in New York City, any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. So why aren't you guys stopping the flow at the border? We are stopping the flow at the border. If anything, what the president has been able to do on his own without the help of Republicans in Congress, something that he had to do on his own again because Republicans refuse uh, to give the funding necessary to deal with a situation uh, a broken immigration system that has been broken for decades. They choose, what they choose to do is play politics, but the, pers- the president has put a plan that is indeed, uh, the data showing is that it is indeed uh, um, stopping, slowing down the flow uh, of unlawful migration. That's Corrine Jean-Pierre, and she says that immigration system that has been broken for decades I've got to take exception to this because I can tell you, look, while there's been challenges in immigration for a long time, one thing I can't say is that the immigration system was broken for decades. And maybe people will challenge me on that. But I got to tell you, we saw the border being secured to some of the lowest levels in recent history when the previous administration was in charge and they were doing what had to be done and taking no shorts and going all in. And I think that's important. But Kareem Jean-Pierre and the Biden White House, they insist on selling you this bill of goods that, in my opinion, is phony baloney. So I want to get to the bottom of this with Congressman Keith Self, who's joining uh, a dozen or more other congressmen to support uh, a measure that would defund Secretary Mayorkas's ability to do what he's doing, which, in my opinion, is destruction at the border. Congressman Keith Self, welcome, sir. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Good to hear from you, Rich. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So now when you hear the White House press secretary, um, you know, straight face saying, well, this thing's been broken forever and we're trying to get the right funding. Is funding what's making it better or is funding what's making it worse? Uh, Funding is not the issue. It's the policy of the Biden administration of an open border. I've been down there twice and I will tell you the policy of this administration is an open border. As many people across the border as possible, as quickly as possible. But 
It also includes the sex trade. It includes the drugs. It includes the fentanyl. Uh, this is an open border policy by the Biden administration. Look, we've been we've I've been in Congress now for eight months. We've not yet changed the trajectory in this Congress. So the power of the purse is what Congress has, starting in the House of Representatives, and uh, and I think we plan to use it. Well, I think that's important. Now, I'm I'm all with it. I'm all with uh, bringing the fight this way. But I feel like my observation has been that there are colleagues of yours that aren't as committed to bringing the fight. And, and I'm not one of these radical crazies. I really am not. But I feel mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this is the power that you've got, right? You can't lock somebody up. There's only, oh, but so much you can do as a member of Congress. And one of those things is control the purse strings and, and create new laws. So why, why is it such a big deal? To me, this makes all the sense in the world. If, if you know you and Chip Roy and a bunch of other guys come up with this stellar idea of let's not give them money and get them to do their job, why would somebody be in opposition to that? Um, because that's the way Washington works. Uh, people get co-opted into the system, into the establishment, and all of a sudden they just go along with whatever. Uh, and that's why I say we've got to change the trajectory of this Congress. We had a good start in January. Uh, we've had some setbacks. Uh, and now we've we've moved to the appropriations process, and it's kind of the last uh, last stand. If we don't do it now, we will have lost another year. Uh, so that's that's why we're doing it. We we must uh, we must do something to make a wake up call in Washington to say we we are going to change Washington, and because we have such a narrow majority, uh, that's how we can do it. Uh, if we stand and we do what we say we are going to, uh, we can make a change. And you should. So now tell us about the mechanics of the plan. So everybody who's just tuning in, we're on with um, Texas third. Uh, Congressional District uh, Congressman Keith Self. And uh, tell us uh, exactly what the mechanics of the plan look like in what you're trying to do to um, defund over here or to to hold funding to make sure that Mayorkas and the DHS do what they have to do. Well, what we said, if they don't make substantive changes, which include, you know, amongst the ideas where Mayorkas is gone, uh, we start on the wall, we change the policy on on holding people, sending them back to Mexico, substantive changes from a whole menu. If we don't see that, then we simply vote to not fund the Department of Homeland Security. And and it's one of the 11 appropriations bills that we've got left. So if we just vote no, enough people vote no, uh, that appropriations bill won't pass. And uh, what I'm hearing uh, out of D.C. is it may be, may be, the first bill that we take up when we get back on, on 12 September. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see if uh, the fact that we've uh, taken this position, and frankly, the House uh, Freedom Caucus has put out a position very similar to what our 14 Texans have said. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a good number of people, enough to definitely not pass the bill. And, and I don't think the Democrats are going to bail out uh, the, the, the Republicans on this. I, I uh, Hakeem Jeffries has said since the debt ceiling bill passed with more Democrat votes than Republican votes, uh, he basically said, we're not going to do that again. We'll see. We shall see. Of course, Hakeem Jeffries, the uh, um, minority leader there in, in uh, Congress, right. um, the, uh, another New Yorker like me. Now, you're not a New Yorker, but you spent some time in New York, right, at, at uh, West Point. Tell me, Congressman, how does uh, 
a nice Texas boy like you end up at West Point and then end up in the swamp? <laughs> well, I, I went to West Point because I wanted to be a soldier. And I spent 25 years in the Army. It was a great place for me, great education, great training, uh, great leadership training. Um, so then uh, I was the county judge, which is the county executive uh, in Texas for 12 years in between. And uh, so now it was a great training training ground for Congress because uh, you've got to have some influence. You've got to be able to talk to people, make your case, be articulate. Uh, so I think it was a great training ground. So here I am uh, in the swamp, as you call it, uh, trying to make a difference. Yeah, and you're doing it with a haircut just like mine. So Godspeed to you, sir. We appreciate that. <laughs> Folks, uh, we are on with uh, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Lieutenant Colonel Keith Self, current congressman for Texas's 3rd District. Now, do you expect, uh, I know you, you, you're hopeful about the outcome of your plan to defund Mayorkas, as I'm calling it. If you should succeed, I'm doing, you know, I'm throwing a party. But um, do you expect a ton of opposition, and how do you plan to overcome it? Um, well, we're going to have opposition. The media will be all in. They are basically an arm of the Democrat Party. Uh, but we also have a larger problem here, Rich. We've got 11 days now in September before, the, before government funding runs out, and we've got 11 bills that have not yet passed through the House, much less through the Senate and into conference with the House and the Senate. So this is almost a mission impossible that we will get a budget done by September 30th. So this plan on DHS is focused on the border, uh, but we've got larger problems than just this one bill. Uh, so could it be a short-term continuing resolution? Uh, I, I don't know. Could, could it eventually be a shutdown of the government? I don't know. Um, I, I just have no idea how this will progress. But if we stand firm, and that's the key, we've got to stand firm. In the last few shutdowns of the mm -hmm. government, the Republicans have always caved. Always. The Republicans have always caved. Uh, and occasionally they got a little bit out of it, but the trajectory of this nation is not good. Uh, our debt is out of control. The border is out of control. Uh, we've got to change the trajectory of this nation. Folks, again, we're on with retired Lieutenant Colonel and current Congressman Keith Self, Texas's third district. We're coming right back. We're going to continue our discussion. He mentioned uh, their negotiations with the uh, upcoming budget and a potential shutdown of the government. Sounds like a holiday to me. Stick with us, folks. We're coming right back. It's America at Night with Congressman Keith South and me, Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. And there was a story coming out of Colorado yesterday. Uh, yeah, there's yesterday, the day before. I saw it over the weekend, I think. Maybe it was yesterday. And the 
the gist of it is there was a kid in middle school in a school in Colorado, and they bring him into an office and they tell him, hey, hey, what's going on? Because he had a, a Gadsden flag, which is a historical flag in the United States, you know, the yellow one with the rattlesnake says, don't tread on me. He had a patch of that on his backpack, and the school took exception to this and brought him into the office and had a word with him, and there was some additional conversation with his parents after that, but... It's remarkable that this even happened, and there's some video of it. The audio's not great, but I want you to hear what we've got. Um, the reason that they do not want the flag, the reason we do not want the flag display, is due to its origins with the slavery and slave trade. That is what was, um, that's the reasoning behind them. The Gadsden flag. Don't tread on me. So again, this is um, this is not as far in so much as I know. This has never been a symbol of slavery. Uh, it, it is a, a a a throwback to the American Revolution, which last I remembered, um, you know, set us all free and whatnot. But uh, anyway, this is where we were, and and I, I just find it remarkable that this is actually happening, and and how this happens. Uh, Congressman Keith Self is our guest, Texas 3rd District. And Congressman, what's your reaction to this story? Uh, this should never happen. Uh, that flag is a symbol of our standing against tyranny, our fighting against tyranny. Uh, that may be not why they don't like it, uh, because uh, <laughs> schools right. are some of the most uh, tyrannical places in America today, although the parents are starting to fight back. Uh, but this should never happen. But what we have here is a mama bear standing up for her son. And uh, frankly, uh, she's trained him well because he knew exactly what the flag stood for. And uh, most of the kids in that school probably couldn't have told you what the flag stood for. Uh, but we have a mama bear standing up, which parents are starting to do so. In fact, that's why we have Governor Yunkin in Virginia. Uh, his opponent made the mama bears mad. I mean, just a short period of time before that election, and it swung it to, to Yunkin. Uh, so this uh, should be a rallying cry uh, for parents across our nation that you have got to be involved in your kids' education. You've got to take uh, the school establishment on, and you've got to stand uh, for, for the Judeo-Christian values that our country started on, standing against tyranny. And I agree with you 100%. And the kid here, he's 12 years old. Uh, he goes to the Vanguard School. His name, Jaden Rodriguez. And mm -hmm. he was ordered to remove the flag with the uh, don't tread on me. It was a little patch on his book bag. His mom complained and said, excuse me, you're violating my son's First Amendment rights and schooled them on the significance of the flag, of course. And this kid did as well. Uh, they were saying it's a throwback to slavery and whatnot. I don't know where they get that from. But whatever <laughs> the case is, this is what they said. And I mean, I, you know, I'm sure, you, you know, you, you either have children or know people that have children. I, I do. I, you know, my kids are a little bit older now, but. I would have lost my mind if this happened to one of my kids when they were 12 years old. I really would have. I, I can't imagine uh, the school. Like, what business that of, is it of yours what I wear on my book bag if it's not something that's, you know, inappropriate? And to try to say that something like that is inappropriate, I think, is insanity. But they, they went ahead and they gave this political statement. And this is why guys, good guys like you, right, nice sort of New Yorkers from West Point like you get a bad name because you're a politician. This is why. Listen to this political statement that the school district gave. The Vanguard School recognizes the historical significance of the Gadsden flag and its place in history. 
This incident is an occasion for us to reaffirm our deep commitment to a classical education in support of these American principles. Excuse me? Are you kidding? <laughs> you just accosted my kid and tried to strip him. I mean, this is absolute crazy. Congressman, do you see this issue? This, to me, I look at the news, and I do it a lot, as, as you do, and I see things getting worse, not getting better. Try to sell me on the idea that things are getting better. Uh, they're not. Uh, we, are, we could rapidly be approaching a tipping point in this country. I mean, look at the hypocrisy of this school. Uh, schools are letting uh, kids wear the LGBTQ symbols. Uh, they're saying that the American flag is discriminatory. It was in, they're saying it was in, uh, started as a racist symbol. How did they get that? But yes, this is a time that we must stand uh, for righteousness, for the Judeo-Christian values uh, that our country started on. Uh, liberty is not given to us by the school district. Liberty is not given to us by the federal government or the state government. Liberty is our God-given rights articulated very well in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the Bill of Rights, which outline them. Uh, we've got to... Everyone that's listening to your program uh, needs to decide for themselves where their red line is, what is their interest, and take a stand for liberty today uh, because it is not getting better. It is getting worse, and we're uh, the, the immorality in government, the weaponization of the federal government, the FBI, uh, this has got to stop. And I will tell you, don't look only to your elected officials. Take a stand where you are in your local area, just like this mother did, just like this 12-year-old Jaden did. Take a stand. I agree with you, Congressman. And, and Jaden Rodriguez's mother, Eden Rodriguez, there's a quote on her in the uh, New York Post, and she said, I do want him to stand up for his rights, too. And I don't want him to say, no, you bow down to the government. And I'd say, you know what, that's great. She went on to say, it's been a tough call just to let him do what he wants to and say, you know, he's at that age where he makes his own decisions. Uh, I say kudos to a mom like that. Th that's exactly what parents have to do to, to encourage their children and stand up for their children. And, and kudos to this little this little guy, right? This young man, yep. uh, I'm looking at a picture of him, extremely sharp dressed. He's a really clean cut kid. And I just can't imagine he was very respectful during this whole process. And um, good for him, you know, that he wasn't belligerent like I probably would have been if this happened to me. But this is what we need, more people doing this, saying, hey, look, I'm an American, I'm proud, I'm doing my thing, and I'm not going to let you tread on me. Folks, we're on with Congressman Keith Self, and we're coming right back. We're going to get into a little 2024 and a couple of other things that I want to pick his brain on, so don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, Familia, welcome back. We're here with Congressman Keith Self, Texas's third district. Now, Congressman, there's a bunch of news out today uh, with respect to an alleged misuse of Air Force Two that occurred during current President Biden's tenure as vice president. And every day we see more and more uh, uh, what seems to me evidence uh, towards a lot of criminality. There's a lot of rumors that there's recordings and they're going to soon to be released on October surprise for this year, uh, all sorts of things. And I I'm just wondering, do you think that this is just more 
more smoke or is there some actual fire here? Oh, there's actual fire. Uh, absolutely. The uh, investigative committees in Congress uh, are ha- finding hard evidence of criminality on the Biden family. Uh, it's uh, gathering momentum. As a matter of fact, we now know about the 20 shell companies uh, when he was uh, vice president, we know of the nine members of the family that were getting money. I think it's soon to be 12. Uh, I'll leave that to the committees. Uh, we know of the 16 payments uh, from Romania while he was vice president. Uh, no, there is hard evidence. And frankly, that's why the Ways and Means Committee is one of the investigating committees, because you wouldn't think of the Ways and Means Committee. I mean, they write tax policy. Right. Uh, but they're one of the investigative committees because the chairman in the House and the Senate uh, committee as well can get tax documents, bank records. Uh, so that's where a lot of the hard evidence is coming from uh, through the Ways and Means Committee. But no, absolutely, this is not smoke. Uh, this is fire. Uh, and I think that uh, soon after we get back, you're going to see an impeachment inquiry uh, by the Speaker of the House. And I don't know who the target will be. I don't have that inside information. But uh, the speaker is setting the stage for for declaring an impeachment inquiry. Will he have the House vote on it? I don't know. He might. Uh, he might declare it. Uh, but uh, but I think he's setting the stage for it. Well, yeah, and I, I've heard the, the speaker allude to that, you know, saying he's getting all of his ducks in a row for an impeachment inquiry. And, you know, the left is already losing their minds. Uh, I was I'm looking at a transcript of Joy Reid saying that, you know, what are they going to impeach Biden for, for being too old? Like, I don't know what they would impeach him for. I think that's kind of crazy. Now, a lot of critics on the left are saying, how are you going to impeach Biden for things that he did while he was vice president? And my, my, my response to that would be, well, all of that stuff is still happening now. I mean, he, these things are still occurring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, yeah. Robert Peters <laughs> is still Robert Peters, right? Uh, A.K.A. President Biden. Uh, what say you to the critics that say that happened then and you can't do it now? Uh, do you suppose that he did it as a vice president and is not doing it as president? Uh, I don't think the, uh, the common sense approach would tell you that is true. Uh, in fact, we we know that, uh, well, uh, yes, I think that it's still happening and I think that that will be proven. Um, and uh, And I think we're going to be moving forward. Uh, so uh, the the left will throw many more things than that uh, to try to obfuscate uh, this this issue. Uh, it'll all be a distraction. It will all be uh, uh, obfuscation, and I think that uh, I think that we're going to see some movement. Um, and the people, and I will also talk about other critics, the critics that say the Senate will never uh, convict, and I'm saying I'm in the House. The House needs to do its job. Right. I think uh, the speaker will will move us in that direction and whatever happens will happen. We'll see as it uh, unfolds. Uh, but uh, don't worry about the Senate. Let's as, as the House do our job. 100 percent. I mean, that would be like a police officer saying, well, this guy's doing a crime. I'm going to catch him in the commission of this crime. But I don't think the jury's ever going to convict him. So I'm going to let the guy go. That's crazy. Right. right? right. <laughs> Lock yeah. the guy up and yeah. you do your job. Let them do their job. 100 percent. Right. I, I agree with that. Now, it seems every time we, we learn something new, whether it's misuse of Air Force Two for these crooked deals and these 20 shell companies or the 5,400 emails that NARA now says that they have uh, or, or, you know, the archivist weighing in saying they're not going to say this or that. Uh, all of this stuff comes out and it's 
in my opinion, it's a black eye in the administration. It's a black eye for America, quite frankly. But when I see that, I can't help but think that what are they going to do tomorrow? Indict Trump again? Like, you know, what's the news that seems to be the trend? You get something on Biden, they throw something at Trump. And it's 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 shaping up to be an interesting 2024. Let's talk about that for a second. What are your thoughts on all of this crazy? Well, it's certainly going to be interesting. It's going to be a fascinating uh, uh, time of in the U.S. history. I think it will be historic. Uh, I have no idea who the two nominees are going to be, but uh, let's separate uh, the two-tier justice system that we have, Biden and Trump being the uh, uh, the two issues here. Let's separate that from the presidential election, because we see a two-tier justice system here. Whether you're going to vote for Trump as, a, as the Republican nominee or not, you need to be standing against this two-tier justice system that we have. Uh, the rest of it will sort itself out. I have no idea who the nominees are going to be. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, primary season. Uh, but let's just take a look at one date for March. For most of your listeners, that is the day before Super Tuesday. And mm-hmm. since I'm in Texas, our election will be on March the 5th. And uh, his federal trial is going to start on March the 4th. That can't be a coincidence. That's so transparent. I mean, that is so transparent. It is so hypocritical. I agree. It seems that they're doing absolutely everything they can do to interfere in the primary uh, to to just um, assuage voters from, from doing what they're going to do in a Republican primary. And I, again, I think Trump's fundraising looks on point. It looks like it, this stuff is working for him in so much as reaching people. However, there's a real cost here, right? There's literal legal cost. There's, you know, not being on the campaign trail here to go and defend yourself over here and, and splitting yourself because you have to now worry about this massive litigation that's going on while you're trying to clinch the nomination for president. And this would be for any candidate that's undergoing this. He just happens to be the one that they're going after. Why is it and how is it in, in you know, I guess your, your opinion that that this is actually happening. I mean, of course, the Department of Justice isn't required to follow their longstanding rules and traditions of not going after your candidates during election time. But how is it that very few people are raising an eyebrow at this? That's a great question. I'm not sure I can answer it. Um, will it make a difference in the election? I certainly hope so. But uh, they have figured out that they can get away with almost anything. Um, and they are doing exactly that. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, there is no coincidence in any of this. It is by design. It is it is uh, intentional. And uh, as long as they can get away with it, uh, they will. Uh, let's hope there's a reckoning. Let's uh, let's hope that truth will out uh, at the end of the day. But uh, but they are they are pushing the envelope as far and as fast as they can. Yeah, Colonel. Uh, I want to thank you for being with us. It was a real pleasure speaking with you. I'm I'm glad you stayed up late to be on the air with me and five million of my closest friends. We appreciate it. And uh, I'm hopeful that you'll come back and join us soon. I would love to. Thank you so much, Rich. Have a great evening. You bet. Folks, give him a follow on Twitter and all the social media. Congressman Keith South, Texas's third district. And when we come back, what happened to Mitch McConnell today? You're going to hear it. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. And I want to bring you some news. Now, listen, you know, I like to poke fun at things. I really do. Some things are serious and you really shouldn't make fun of them. And I try to be equitable in my uh, in my making fun of. <laughs> but, um, you know, I saw this video of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. You know, Mitch, Mitch McConnell. I call him the turtle because he talks like froghorn, leghorn. He, he looks like a turtle in humanity. But Mitch McConnell, the turtle, Mitch McConnell, he um, he froze up today in front of reporters. Now, I, I want to say that I'm not making fun of this incident, but I love making fun of him in general because I think he's a very funny guy. But this was sad. This was a very sad moment where I'm watching this video and, you know, he's doing a press conference. He, he, he goes. He's clearly not well. He's shuffling his feet. His gait is stiff. He's not shaking his arms. There's neurological damage for sure. Hey, Rich, what qualifies you to be a doctor? Nothing. I just seen this happen to my dad when he had dementia after a brain injury. And I learned a lot about that stuff and seen the differences in his, in his mannerisms. And I'm seeing it here just like I see it with Joe L. Baboso Biden. And lamentably, McConnell is in over his head. And that's where the problem is, right? This is what kind of... Uh, you know, burns my britches, so to speak. You can't, if you love your family, you can't subject them to bad things. You have to take care of the people that you love. And you can't, I, in my opinion, you just can't, what they're doing with, with um, Senator Feinstein, what they're doing with McConnell, you just can't do this stuff. But he's at a press conference, they ask him a question, and he completely freezes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the audio, and hopefully you could follow with me. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh, that's right. Uh, Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yeah. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. They, they, they just marshal him off of the stage. You hear crickets in the room. That's our sound effect, not in real life. And the, the whole thing is just so bizarre. This man is not well. He's not prepared. And they know that. And that's why they responded the way they did. You know, when she's Senator, did you hear the question? Of course he heard the question. He shook his head. He said yes. He was having a moment. You know, uh, I believe the, the technical term, and if you're a doctor and you want to call in and school me on this, I'd love it if, you, uh, if we had a neurologist out there. But I believe this is called myoclonus. These um, seizures that happen where you get stuck, your eyes freeze, your whole body freezes, and you're just stuck. And these myoclonus seizures, uh, I've, I've seen them happen to my father. That's how I know about that. And they're re the result of brain injuries. He took a nasty fall earlier in the year, and they said he got a concussion. I'd say he had a little bit more like a traumatic brain injury. But what do I know? I'm the radio guy. Anyway, folks, we're going to continue our conversation straight ahead. I don't want you to miss it. Another hour is coming up right now. We're going to talk about national security and free speech with our buddy, Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps, 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to welcome you to our Wednesday night edition of the program. If you want to join us on our late night national town hall conversation, feel free to give us a call. You can chat with me and our guest, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, as we've been discussing, things continue to um, be crazy in Washington, D.C. There's never a lack of crazy coming out of Washington. And um, the the Biden administration is under a little bit of pressure now, a little bit more pressure than they were under, as new revelations come out to the misuse or potential misuse of Air Force Two while Joe Biden was vice president, having his son on the, the uh, plane to what appears to be be the bag man, right, to collect some money from different international, I'm going to call them partners, <laughs> in Biden's uh, crime syndicate. So we're going to keep that um, monitored as more stuff comes out on that. I'll keep you up to speed on it. Uh, plus, uh, President Trump says that uh, he's open to Ramaswamy as a vice president. I think that's uh, an interesting uh, tidbit. We'll talk about that at the top of the next hour. Then there's uh, a renewed agreement between Russia and North Korea, their arms deal, with um, respect to the, the deal that they've already had and they, they've kind of renewed it. And it just is interesting to see who's who and what's what in in the the world of foreign affairs. You've got, you know, Zelensky saying, look, we're not having any elections here. We will cancel the elections if, you, you know, if you guys don't send us more money, if you're not paying for it. I mean, just so many crazy things are happening in the world. And uh, we have a clip of audio I wanted you to hear from General Kirby, right? No, no, Admiral Kirby, uh, today discussing what is the the outcome of the security deal, the arms deal between Russia and North Korea. Listen to this. Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu recently traveled to the DPRK to try to convince Pyongyang to sell artillery ammunition to Russia. Since that visit, President Putin and the leader of the DPRK, Kim Jong-un, have exchanged letters pledging to increase their bilateral cooperation. So as these guys are cooperating, who's the United States cooperating with, right? We're cooperating with Ukraine uh, lately. It's one of our biggest uh, cooperators, if you will. But it, it seems to me that while things are, are going haywire in American national security, this administration could care less about anything. Things are going on in the world. The BRICS nations are solidifying their push to eliminate the petrodollar and create a new reserve currency for for their consortium. And it just it doesn't um, it's not lost on me that America's losing a good amount of prominence in many areas. Uh, just shocking to me. And I, I want to discuss that and a number of things related to free speech and 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 other topics of uh, national security with uh, Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Now, I first met Steve Rogers a million years ago, not really a million, but uh, when I was uh, volunteering with the Nutley Police Department. And uh, he, he, was, he was a lieutenant with the police department. He retired. He's done a lot of national security work. He has uh, a wonderful organization called Campaign for America, and he's with us now. Lieutenant Steve Rogers, welcome, sir. 
Rich, uh, what a pleasure to be with you. I don't remember you, but uh, boy, I'll tell you. I was the bald guy with the beard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. My pleasure. And, you know, it's it. There's a lot going on um, with with so many things in the world. And I want to start off. We'll we'll touch on the topics that I just mentioned. But I want to I want you to tell us a little bit about Campaign for America, what it is that you're doing there and what you're hoping to achieve. Well, we're uh, going around the country uh, and on media uh, circuits and we're talking about how great our country is. We're bringing back the uh, Reagan uh, methodology of uniting America. We let people know that uh, although we have dark days, we have brighter days ahead if we stick together as Americans. Uh, so we actually uh, introduced candidates, and that candidate's the American flag. And so we're trying desperately to bring this country back together, lower the rhetoric, lower the temperatures, but stand very strong on the conservative values in which this nation was founded upon. I think that's a, a really important thing to do. And when we look at, at, at holding on to tradition, it seems like that's exactly what's not happening with so many things, whether it's national security, foreign affairs, uh, the economy. What's your take on the the continued – can we continue, I guess is my question. Do you think it's sustainable to stay on the track that we're in that the Biden administration's put us on? Not at all. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I actually also was in the Navy as a U.S. Navy intelligence officer for mm-hmm. uh, 25 years. So I'm pretty well versed in foreign affairs and the geopolitical situation that we're facing. Uh, Joe Biden has put us on a disastrous course. Uh, I could tell you that, uh, and I, I said this from the beginning of the Ukraine war, here comes Vietnam, Chapter 2. Uh, he's dragging us into a terrible, terrible situation where even NATO is now mistrusting us. Uh, added to what you said before about Korea, uh, Biden has also attempted to make some sort of a deal with Cyprus that got Turkey really angry at us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the, the problem we're facing is now is that the United States is being isolated uh, economically and, and more so militarily now. And uh, I'm praying to God that uh, he doesn't drag us into a situation where we're going to see U.S. ground troops uh, entering that war in Ukraine. And uh, I just hope it doesn't happen. I, I also hope that doesn't happen. I just don't see, um, and I don't think Biden wants to do that, but you never know. That might be his ace in the hole to getting reelected, saying, look, we're at war, folks, we're at war, and, you know, try to use that to get reelected. And there's history, or at least historical precedent, I should say, which would, um, you know, help him to make the case that you don't want to have a transition of power in the White House in the midst of, you know, American troops being abroad. Now, w- with all that being said, there's a number of issues, both domestically and internationally, that are going on that, that I feel like we're on the wrong track on. And I, I don't think we could find one where the Biden administration is on the right track of anything. But it seems that we keep going to, to policies that, that are harming not only just the nation, but really the individuals in the nation, right? That's who we are. We the people. Let's talk about this, um, this I don't even know what to call it here, this Notice regarding broadcasting, American broadcasting. Okay, so we've lost the lieutenant. <laughs> they, they heard he was a naval intelligence officer and they got him. But anyway, uh, when we get him back, we will continue. Uh, folks, the number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- 4 Valdez. That's 
833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. We are back in action after getting hit with an internet outage after we uh, talked about Lieutenant Steve Rogers and his background as a former naval intelligence officer. And then, boom, the internet went out. Steve Rogers, you're, you're, uh, you're a wanted man, it seems. The deep state was out to get you. Welcome back. <laughs> well, we were, we were going to talk about broadcasting, right? And it, it looks like somebody was listening just cut us right out, buddy. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it seems like Canada's got this new censorship bill and uh, – they want to make sure that they're censoring uh, American content, Canadian content. They're censoring everybody. Tell us about it. Well, look, we've got some real problems at the Canadian government. Uh, you know, we've been paying so much attention to Mexico. Our eyes are off the uh, Canadian government. To begin with, uh, they have a bill that they passed. It's called the Online News Act. Uh, I'm sorry, the Online Streaming Act. And it was Bill C-18 in Canada and in June. They passed legislation that's going to require tech companies, get this, to pay news organizations in exchange for hosting their content. In addition to that, uh, a live streamer like myself, or even like uh, your broadcast, it, it, it would be subject to the Canadian government uh, looking at what you are broadcasting, and if the government will determine what the people are going to receive in that country regarding uh, live streaming or news content. And they have put in that bill that there'll have to be a lot of emphasis on Canadian content, whatever that is. And I'll tell you, looking at this, it comes right out of the Chinese Communist Party playbook. Uh, we're going to uh, tell you what you can see, what you can hear. And if we, the government, don't like it, you're not going to receive it. You know, like a year ago, there were some uh, some Internet rumors that the uh, prime minister, uh, that he he really start, uh, was was caught up in this controversy about looking like Fidel Castro and that he was supposedly Fidel Castro's love child. And all that aside, it seems like his policies now are mirroring Fidel Castro in, in, a, uh, in a modernized um, Marxist fashion, right, where he, they're, they're passing bills, but these bills are, are just as tyrannical as anything we've seen coming out of these regimes. You're mentioning the, the Chinese Revolution or, or Castro. It, it's kind of crazy to think that the government's going to decide what you get to see. And I guess there's some limitations on that, right? They're, when they take down these websites that are kiddie porn or stuff like that. Granted, that makes a lot of sense. But just stopping uh, Lieutenant Steve Rogers from telling his story or me or anybody else, I think that's a little bit beyond the pale. And what's more scary is how this country, at least many in our government, seem to hold on to that stuff and think, man, the way they do it in Canada, that's how we should be doing this. And I think that's the scariest part. Do you think that this is going to spill over into the American left and have them look at Canada and say, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do? Oh, yeah, they'll try. Here in the United States, they'll try. But I have a lot of faith that the American people are just simply not going to allow that to happen. Look, we had this situation. Remember the Ministry of Information that Joe Biden launched? Uh, oh, well, yeah. That, didn't last. that lasted that all that five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that lasted about five minutes. Uh, look, would you believe, Rich, I've got close to 50,000 letters. I'm not even exaggerating. I had to go and, and, and get a truck at the post office from Canadians and others pretty much begging the United States government to understand what's going on up there. 
I got videotapes of pastors who've been arrested uh, for uh, exercising their free speech. Uh, uh, the police, and you know, I've been a cop a long time, as you know, I defend the police, but the excessive force that police have used on protesters up there mm -hmm. in Canada, protesting the government, and uh, getting back to uh, uh, Trudeau's mindset, uh, he's on video. I saw it and heard it myself, where one of the most men in the world he admires is President Xi in China. He admires the way communist China is operating. Uh, and in addition to that, just last week, and we've addressed it, that is Campaign for America, the Canadian foreign minister says that Canada is preparing a game plan in case of, and quote, a far right shift in the U.S., meaning of the conservatives. So uh, we challenge them to develop uh, that game. Tell us what that game plan is. So the fact of the matter is, at least in my view and the view of many people, is that the Canadian government is not just leaning far left, but they're leaning to pretty much towards socialism or communism. And this is not, believe me, an exaggeration. Just last week, uh, there has been a group in Canada that has now uh, caused the government there to do some research on the uh, uh, content that Fox, no Fox News is putting out and that is flowing into Canada. Uh, apparently, they're upset with, with Fox News, and I'm sure they're going to be upset with others over uh, free speech here in America. And they're actually, and I say they, the government, actually may be requiring these uh, uh, cable packages to uh, not include Fox, at least to begin with. Wow. Listen, yeah. I, I see this this as a, a precursor to things to come here if we don't correct course very, very quickly. And, and uh, by that, I mean like yesterday. Now, I asked the previous guest, I think I ask every guest this question. It seems to me that as I look at stuff every day, as I know you look at stuff every day, things seem to be getting worse, in my opinion. Uh, do you agree with me or do you think I'm just uh, being hyperbolic? No, they're getting worse, but also they're getting a, a better. And it may be contradictory. Let me qualify that for you. Uh, the American people is now standing up, standing up uh, to this uh, administration. I've never seen in my lifetime moms and dads go to school board meetings the way they are now. City council meetings, uh, a state assembly meetings. Uh, they're starting to stand up and really fight back within the framework of our Constitution. So I look at this as an opportunity uh, for people to take action. You know, we in America are, are taking our freedoms for granted. And I could tell you the first time in my lifetime, uh, I see it really being threatened. But I also see that the American people are seizing the moment. And if they continue to wake up and continue to fight back within the framework of the law, we win and they lose. And keep in mind, you know, the Soviet Communist Party tried this uh, uh, back from the 50s when Reagan was actually president of the Screen Actors Guild. And he fought back then uh, mm -hmm. all the way up to his presidency and then took down the Soviet Union. So I believe we are still that shining city on the hill. And although uh, the clouds are dark, we still have a great, great country, a strong country, a strong-willed and God-fearing, God-loving country that we're going to be fine. But, yeah, it's kind of both ways. Things are getting worse, but as they get worse, we the people get better. Well, amen. You've inspired me a little bit there. Folks, we're on with Lieutenant Steve Rogers. And uh, check his um, daily broadcast out, Campaign for America's his website. It's campaignforamerica.com. Now, um, LT, before we uh, we split, I wanted to just get a little 2024 action on you. H how do you see this thing shaping up? What do you think about the GOP primary, and what do you think is going to be the face-off in November? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that the Republican Party gets its act together, 
Uh, we have to stop the name-calling, the uh, fiery rhetoric at each other. I've always, when I ran for office here in Nutley, I invoked Reagan's 11th commandment. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so as a party, we have to get together. And I say this, let the people make the decision. I think what's happening is tragic to Donald Trump. I think it's tragic. It's political. But it's going to go in the courts. And again, an opportunity for him to prove what he believes happened during that election. But we have to stand together as a country regardless of what happens. Uh, And uh, there should be no talk of any violence, civil wars, or things that we've heard in the news. There should be talk of uh, believing in that Constitution, what our founding fathers uh, grounded this country on, and use that as a tool to get ahead. We've got to move forward. We can't look back. Yeah, I really hope that uh, people that are listening to this broadcast, and I, I, I doubt there's anybody on the left that's really paying attention, but I hope they take heed to, to the admonition that you just put forward, because I agree. Uh, every time I turn on MSNBC or CNN, I, all you hear is this divisive rhetoric of how the Republicans this and the MAGA extremists that and, and the radical right wing, and, and all they do is really pit the rest of America against one group of people as if this one group of people that happen to not be Democrats are the problem. And in my opinion, the problem is, is, is the exact opposite, right? The problem is those that, that, that embrace uh, Marxism and, and lean towards the left and, and that type of radicalism. And it's infecting every part of our society. And it's my hope that they'll listen to you and, and we'll be able to move forward. Who do you think faces off against who in the last 30 seconds that we have in November? The uh, question is either going to be uh, DeSantis uh, and uh, maybe uh, Newsom, you know, maybe him. Uh, I think at the end of the day, that's the way it's going to turn out. Uh, but then again, you know what? Uh, good Lord found King David in a field when Israel was in trouble way back then. So maybe somebody else is going to rise up. But whoever it is, they have to be, in my view, a conservative, God-fearing, God-loving American who believes in what this country was founded upon and will be a bright and shining star on that uh, shining city on a hill. Folks, Lieutenant Steve Rogers, uh, he's, a, he's a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Check out his website, campaignforamerica.com. I'm grateful for the late, great Carmen Arecchio for introducing me to you. I think it was 2006, uh, if I even remember the date. <laughs> Steve Rogers, thanks for being with us. Thank you, thank you. You bet. God bless. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. Welcome back. And don't you just hate it when your car breaks down and you go to the mechanic and it's like, oh, geez, this is what it's going to cost to fix this. And 
it's it's always a pain in the butt, but it's a reality of life. And everybody's gone through this. And we've talked that every now and again, I like to talk about cars because I feel like given inflation, a lot of people have opted to not renew their lease or trade in and re-up or whatever it is because there weren't many cars available in the last couple of years. And people said, I'm going to stick with my car. I'm going to end up buying the car or I've got a paid off car and it's working just fine. I'm going to stick with it. If something's wrong, I'll fix it and do what I got to do. But when you get to do your auto repairs, it's like, oh, we can't get that part. We can't do this. So we've seen a lot of that. And I think it's starting to slow down a little bit. But one of the biggest issues that I face when I take my daughter's car, either of my daughter's cars for anything, you know, something goes wrong, they hit a curb, things get loose in a wheel, you got to replace an axle, a spindle, a wheel hub, whatever it is is then you go to the mechanic, like, yeah, drop it off. I'll see you next Tuesday. I'm like, next Tuesday? How does my kid get to work in all these? I mean, uh, is it really that long of a wait? And I feel like that was what I was facing everywhere because, again, people are holding on to their cars and they're getting them fixed. So one of the things that I think is really cool is when you can get a house call from a mechanic, right? I think that's pretty cool. And our next guest, he started this thing called Goodhood. Goodhood.auto is the, the website. And I think it's it's one of the best ideas ever where you could just pick up the phone and say, hey, could you come take a look at my car and check it out and, you know, get things faster, get them right at your house, that, that type of thing. This mobile mechanic idea I think is fantastic. And I want to get into that because we know that car repair costs have risen higher and faster than the rate of inflation. And it's mainly because of what they're saying are supply chain issues and whatnot. But I want to get to the bottom of that because inflation is affecting everybody at every level in all sorts of ways. And Prashant Sala is an expert on this stuff. Prashant, welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So first, I want you to tell me a little bit about Goodhood. I know you're the founder and CEO. And the the idea, I think, is a phenomenal one. What gave you the idea to start a mobile auto repair company? Yeah, the you know the idea behind going to repair shop, spending a lot of time, and then not having any transparency in what goes on inside the repair shop, mm-hmm. that's the problem we are trying to solve. And the way we solve that is just by bringing the shop to you, by sending mechanics directly to your house. So the way it got started was I had a mechanic from Craigslist come to my home and ask him questions, and he said, you know, this is what I do, this is what I do on a daily basis, I go to people's home. Um, and then I researched and it struck me that nobody wants to be at a dealership, not the mechanics, not the customers. Then why do we have dealerships or repair shops in the first place? But yeah, basically to bring transparency and convenience in the way we take care of our cars, that's the whole idea. That's an outstanding idea. And I'm looking at a, an article in uh, autorevolution.com and the headline is this, don't tell the mechanic your car needs a tune-up. And that's according to a shop owner <laughs> because they're saying that if you bring your car in and you say you need a tune-up, they're going to give you the tune-up anyway and then tell you, hey, and this is also wrong, and they're going to charge you twice. And, and, and I get that, and this is why I try to always accompany my kids or just handle their car situations. But, but the reality is one would think, and you tell me if, if you know I'm right or wrong here, but one would think when you're doing house calls, you know, if you're, I was a barber many years ago, and if you hire a barber to come to your house, it's going to cost you more than if you go to the barber shop and make an appointment and wait because you're getting that personalized service. 
And the same thing with many other things. If you hire a doctor, a concierge doctor that's going to come to your house, they're going to charge you a lot more than you would pay if you were going to your uh, local clinic. Uh, but uh, I've been told by some people that told me, you know, the mobile mechanic, they, they, they're a one-stop shop. They've got everything. They can't do everything under the sun, but they can do a lot of the stuff. And the price is incredibly fair. Is that true? That's exactly true. So 90% of all car repairs and maintenance services, you know, oil change, brakes, batteries, and even diagnostics, the little check engine light that comes on your dash, mm-hmm. we can do right outside your home, be it an office parking lot, apartment parking lot, or just your driveway. And in terms of savings, because we don't have a physical repair shop, we don't have physical assets. So we can pass on the savings from, you know, owning physical assets to the end consumer. And as a result, it's 20% more affordable than going to a dealership. I love this idea. And there's an article in Fox Business that I was looking at. And it says car repairs can add to cost and anxiety of car ownership. And it gives you some tips on how to manage it. But the reality is, if you know, if you're if you're calling an auto um, repair person that is mobile and they don't have to pay for a garage, that's factored into the cost, right? So when you go to one of these big chain repair places, they've got to pay I don't know fifty thousand, a hundred thousand a month for whatever the space that they're occupying, and and you're coming with us, you know, to do that. What you mentioned, brakes, uh, oil changes, simple things like that. And you're able to pass on the savings, which I think is phenomenal. Now, why do you think uh, – I know what the, the articles say and what people are saying, but why do you think, Prashant, that the cost of fixing cars is up 33% since March of 2020 uh, when inflation is, you know, per the, the numbers at something like it's up 16%, even though it's going down. That was the, the, the height of it. Mm-hmm. Why is it double? The reason, um, you know, it's multifaceted. So first thing is like new car sales have dropped significantly, means that, you know, people are not buying new cars. And because of that, people are just holding on to their cars longer. You know, the study, a study says 13 years is the average age of an American car today, which is at an all-time high. And when right. you take that old car to repair shop, Parts is expensive because of the supply chain issues in the past few years. Labor is expensive because mechanics are hard to find. So that's why you see higher labor rates because mechanics are getting paid higher because there's a shortage of mechanics. And then, you know, combining all these reasons, at the end of the day, it's expensive to even do a battery or a brake service at a repair shop compared to five years ago. Oh, my God, yes. So I, I recently did a brake job on one of my kids' cars, and, and the guy was like, yeah, it's 500 bucks." And I was like, why? I, I didn't remember. I think the last time I did brakes, it was 350 And I was like, I don't understand how this got so high. And he was like, well, this and that and whatever. And you're right, though. There, there's been a significant increase in costs. So what are some of your, um, uh, I guess, uh, best practices or, or, or tidbits of advice that you would give to the listeners that are, you know, they have a car. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a used car. But they want to maintain it. Should they do the minimal maintenance and then try to sell it? Or should they, you know, put some money into it and keep it on the road for as long as they can? What's your your expert opinion? I would say the first thing any consumer should do is to first check if there's a service out there that comes to you. And if there is not a service like that, then when you take a car to a dealership, the easiest thing you can do is to get a breakdown of the estimate, you know, parts, labor for each service. 
and then get some documentation around the whole estimate that has been built um, to be, to you know fix the car. And I think just asking questions like why do we need a service? You know, let's get some documentation around it. Um, I think that that's the easiest low-hanging fruit for any consumer to ask the shop to provide. All right, folks, uh, we're on with Prashant Sala. He's the CEO of Good Hood. It's a mobile auto repair, and I think it's a great idea. Uh, Prashant, if you don't mind, stick with us. I want to ask you a couple more questions about electric vehicles when we come back. Folks, if you want to join the conversation, you have a car question, uh, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I had to uh, take a momentary break to uh, snap into a piece of beef jerky. And it was good, let me tell you. Now, we're on with Prashant Sala. He's the CEO of a mobile mechanic um, repair service called Good Hood, goodhood.auto, not .com, but .auto. And uh, I recommend checking it out. I've never used them, but I can tell you, great service. It sounds like a wonderful idea. Prashant, with the rise of electric vehicles, do you get a lot of calls for those? Are you equipped for those? What's your take on the EV? With EVs, the change is really the uh, engine goes out and a battery and a motor comes in. So that's really the biggest change. With us, we provide almost all services are set up any engine work with EVs. So we can still do majority of the work with uh, an EV outside of, you know, charging the vehicle. But yeah, EVs on the rise. Uh, we have mobile charging on the roadmap. Um, so with one subscription, you can get a mechanic out and you can get a instant EV charge anytime, anywhere. Do you find um, the the... EVs require more or less uh, maintenance or more or less of your calls? It's more in terms of the dollar value. So mm-hmm. an average, you know, um, cost to fix an EV car is higher than a gasoline vehicle. And that's just purely because EVs require electrical parts and the parts are really expensive and hard to find. Um, but yeah, that's the, the it, it's expensive just in terms of the dollar value. Yeah, I'm 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 just looking at uh, some stuff on online here, and it says that uh, some of the most expensive cars to repair are electric cars because of because they don't have fuel and there's not a combustion engine, and it seems everything's either a sensor driven this or uh, something that's related to the battery, which ultimately is the most expensive part of the EV. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, electric motors and batteries are super expensive, and usually when something goes wrong, the mechanic you know, can't just like hook something up and quickly check. They have to do a diagnostic, electrical diagnostic, and that requires an equipment that's expensive, which is why the end consumer pays for a lot of that service. 
Now, I know you're not an economist, but you are an, an expert on this stuff because you're dealing with it every day. What's your sense of how this is going to shape up? Because it seems like, you know, again, you're very busy right now, I'm sure, because people are holding on to their cars, because it's hard to get a new one or too expensive to get a new one. So people are holding on to what they've got. Do, do you foresee that being a long-term trend or do you think that's going to somewhat dissipate and people go back to leasing cars regularly soon enough? So my judgment or, or my guess is it's going to take a little long to be able to get back to where we were before. And that's really just a result of inflation. It's, inflation is one factor. You know, supply chain with parts and equipment is another. And if the inflation gets better and if supply chain gets shorter, the cycle, and then we might see that consumers are willing to buy newer vehicles um, because it's just expensive and it's available. And as soon as new vehicle sales pick up, that's when you see, you know, the repair costs go down because newer vehicles don't really require as much. And then the average American car kind of goes down. But historically, we've seen an average age of an American car was 10 and a half a decade ago. And now it's inching to 13 years old. So it's always going up. So from my perspective, uh, it's hard to see when it's going to go down, but it's going to take a little longer. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, let everybody that's listening know how they can get in touch with your business. And if, if you know, if people need your service, what do they do? Simply go to goodhood.auto, download the app, press a few buttons and get a mechanic the same day. And is this available nationwide or is it in certain cities? Right now, we are in Dallas and Detroit, Dallas being the key market for us. But yeah, we're expanding um, pretty fast. Outstanding. Well, good luck to you. I think it's a fantastic idea. Hopefully, everybody can can get the app and get good hood. And maybe you could start selling a subscription where people pay monthly and it requires, you know, kind of like AAA, but with a repair. I think that would be really cool. And I uh, hope you'll consider that. Prashant Sala, CEO of Auto. Thanks for being here, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, folks, uh, more to come straight ahead. We're going to get to your calls. And plus, remember, Open Phone America, that's coming up at the top of the hour. Lots on the table tonight. Uh, a couple of crazy topics, too. I don't want you to miss that in the third hour of the program. I'm with you straight till 1 a.m. Eastern time. Me, Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to chime in that way, feel free. And again, our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So welcome back. I wanted to share this story with you. I was just talking with our producer in the control room about this. Alice Cooper, the singer, has lost a cosmetics deal after remarking about trans people. Yet another cancellation. Rock singer Alice Cooper lost a deal with an LGBTQ-owned cosmetics company after he called 
cases of transgender people a fad. Well, he had to see that coming if it was an LGBTQ company. Cooper's comments published last week in an interview where he said that his opinion on gender-affirming care was such, and they brought up an interview that he did in 1974 where he said everyone in the future will be bisexual. It's funny how uh, videotape will catch you if you don't stay consistent. So he got caught out there, uh, caught with his pants down, if you will. Anyway, um, yet another story of cancellation. You know, there's all these stories of cancellation and, and what um, Lieutenant Rogers was bringing up, where you have these government entities that are saying, look, we're going to pick and choose what you get to hear. And I got to tell you, I'd rather see cancellations, which I don't want to see, but I'd rather see that than government interference, right? Let me have the option of saying I don't like that and I'm going to cancel. And I don't mean cancel, right? I, I should say boycott, if you will. Right? I don't think we should destroy somebody's living or ability to make a living and, and try to tear them down because we disagree with them. But if you don't like what they're doing, don't do it, right? You don't like Bud Light? Don't drink Bud Light. You don't like this kind of music? Don't listen to that music. Yeah, I keep an open mind with stuff with like that. But ultimately, I think it's got to be your choice, right? That's what the free market is all about. And where would we be without a free market? Ultimately, we have to have a free market. And it's when for things are forced on you, like Mitch the Turtle McConnell, right? You know, he's being forced on the people of Kentucky and vis-a-vis -vis all of the Americans uh, everywhere because just because he's a senator out of Kentucky doesn't mean he's a senator only for Kentucky. This affects every American. And when you have these situations of people that are clearly unfit to serve, uh, it, it's incumbent upon them and their family to, to make these decisions. Uh, the same way it's incumbent upon us, the consumer, to make a decision if we want to go with something or not, or the way they make the decision at this cosmetics company to say, Alice Cooper, we don't want you anymore because we didn't like what you said. Ultimately, it's about liberty. And if we're not focused on liberty, what are we focused on? Really, are we getting that distracted by the popular culture that surrounds us and the latest you know, scandal, the latest uh, story from Kevin Costner's ex-wife asking for you know, X amount of dollars in child support and saying it's not enough? How much of Hollywood propaganda can we allow to control our lives? And I, listen, I like Hollywood propaganda as much as the next guy. Uh, maybe, maybe a little less, but still. We can't, right? We've got to put our foot down. Anyway, um, open phone America before I forget. I'll give you the number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. We're talking about all sorts of things, from censorship to what's going on at the border to just about anything else you want to talk about because uh, it's 2024 season and it's August. So, you know, there's a lot to discuss. Don't go anywhere. Rich Valdez coming right back. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 
at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to join us on our late night national town hall conversation, which we call Open Phone America, and it's because we have open phones for everybody all across America, feel free to do it. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, a little bit of breaking news. There's some police body cam footage that shows a New Jersey school board official calling police on citizens that they don't recognize because they say they look Trumpish. <laughs> police colluded with the school officials to scan license plates of all ant- uh, attendees at this um, school meeting who looked, quote unquote, different because they looked Trumpish. <laughs> I got to tell you. That is funny. And uh, that's uh, uh, according to James O'Keefe, the president of O'Keefe Media Group. And I got to tell you, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see what's going on. They now will call the police on you if you look (laughs) Trump-ish. Reminds me of our buddy Congressman George Santos. I'm not a Jew. I'm just (laughs) Jew-ish. You got to love that. Anyway, uh, there's some interesting stories that I want to go over with you guys tonight, and there's a few of them. There's a couple of sisters in Ukraine that are facing prison time for dancing. Where they were dancing, a little bit more questionable, but that's that story, and I'm going to get to it momentarily. Uh, There's also um, a study out that says that the people that single people need to have a certain salary. So single people, in order to live, need to make this much in each state. And there's a number that they've come up with. I want to get to that as well. And, of course, I want to get to your calls, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. And there's also a story of Joe Biden, right? And uh, we talked about the pseudonyms and, and the you know, he calls himself Robert Peterson or Robert Ware or um, – Joseph Robinette Biden, so J-R-B Ware, W-A-R-E. I mean, he's had all these fake names. And there is a report uh, from One American News that I want you to take a listen to. Newly released information from the National Archives and Records Administration reveals Joe Biden used multiple aliases to forward over important government information and personal information regarding his son, Hunter Biden. This information reveals over 5,000 emails from when Joe Biden was vice president, including government and personal email addresses under the names Robin Ware and Robert Peters. Reports allege staffers used the Robert Peters email to send messages about meeting former Ukrainian President Poroshenko with Hunter Biden also included in that email. It's been revealed that Hunter Biden also sent emails to that Robin Ware address to push for then-Deputy White House Counsel John McGrail for a job in the legal department of Treasury. These newly released records now challenge what the Biden administration has been saying. Biden continuously claimed that he had an absolute wall between the personal and private and the government. However, this now leaves the door wide open for influence peddling and selling the Biden brand we've been hearing. When asked just what is the Biden brand, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre wanted no part of that question. I'm not going to get into it from here. I'm not going to get into it from here. We're going to move on. Officials from the Southeastern legal team have long been demanding more information be released after filing a FOIA request last June of 2022 and accusing the NARA for dragging its feet and delaying this release of information. These emails and aliases, if proven to be linked to Joe Biden, could just be the fuel for the fire that Republicans need to officially push through a formal impeachment. Monica Page, One American News, the White House. So again, Joe Biden... 
there's 5,400 emails now, 5,400 emails that trace back to him that are in the name of Robert Peters or Robin Ware. And this is fascinating to me. And this information is found by the National Archives and Records Administration under a, um, a lawsuit that was filed against them by the S- Southeastern Legal Foundation. Fascinating, right? It's like they won't tell you. They won't tell you until you, you sue them and you force them to show their hand. And I, I just find this remarkable. I, I don't know if anybody else listening gives a crap, but I do. I think, why, why is he hiding his name? I mean, you're, you're the vice president, or now you're the president. How do you just sit there and pretend you're somebody else and then say, oh, I had nothing to do with it when you're literally copied on all of these emails between Hunter and his business dealings? I mean, just if, if it doesn't make Joe Biden out to be a liar, then what does it make him out to be? Absent-minded, forgetful, a fibber? Come on, man, I got hairy legs. I mean, come on. This, this is just totally out of control. Anyway, I want to get your thoughts on this stuff as well as everything else that we're talking about. I want to go to New Mexico. Let's check in with Jim. He's calling from Las Cruces, New Mexico on KOBE. Jim, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Rick. Um, I was thinking that the DOJ and the Biden administration are trying to hamstring Trump so he can't campaign. They can tie him up in court and they can even incarcerate him possibly if they want to, unjustly, of course. But there are things that we can do that are our Trump supporters. Uh, caravans are starting up all over the place. Um, that That's cars. And there are also foot parades that, that could be done, like were done four years ago. Even in Beverly Hills, they were doing foot parades. And there are also boat parades. Also, mm-hmm. people like... Um, uh, you know, speaking John of the boat Boy, parades, people- let me tell you a quick story. So yesterday, I'd uh, gotten a phone call from an old friend of mine I went to high school with. And he's a fisherman. He's a saltwater fisherman, and he, he loves to to spend his days on the open sea and or in the ocean. And um, he was telling me that he, he's a very apolitical person, really doesn't care much about anything. But he was telling me that where he has his boat docked, that everybody has a, a Trump flag on their boat. And he said, you know, I didn't know so many boaters were for Trump. But uh, he said it was remarkable. And that one guy with a really big boat put a really big flag on it. And the marina told him, you can't you can't have that flag. And he said, no problem, I'll take it off. So he took off the flag and undocked his, uh, his boat, brought it to one of those places where they wrap it. And he wrapped the entire boat to look like the Trump flag. <laughs> And it was kind of like an eat your heart out type of situation. I thought it was just so funny that you bring up the boat parades because that was a really big thing in the last election. A lot of people that were supporting Trump were out there uh, in caravans and doing these boat parades. Jim. Yeah, and he can't be everywhere, but we can be uh, where he can't be. Yeah, that's that's my thought. That's a good point. I appreciate it. Thanks for your call. But before you go, I want to ask you. What is your your thought on all of these emails in these uh, with these fictitious names that Biden has used over the years? Well, I would like to, I would like a list of all the different names. You said, did you only give a partial list of some of the names? I saw the three that they had, and- which was yeah, it was Robert Ware. Uh, I mean Robert Peters, then Robin Ware, 
and then his actual initials, J.R.B. Ware. And I thought, I thought that was just so funny. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, the Peters was, uh, was uh, I, I won't say what, that, what uh, that came from, but I think the idea for calling him that came from his son. Because he said a thing about him, which is rather uh, crude, which I won't repeat. Sure. Yeah, it's alarming, to say the least. Jim, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody on KOBE, Las Cruces, New Mexico. We're going to continue with the rest of your calls straight ahead. We've got calls from New York, from San Francisco, and more. The number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. We've got calls from New York all the way to California. I want to check in with Valerie. She's calling from Plattsburgh, New York, WVMT by way of Vermont. Valerie, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to say I enjoy your program. And Thank I you. also enjoy the way you make comments on when people call in. I think that's very informative and nice. Oh, uh, okay. The reason that I called is I'm curious why nobody implicates Obama in Biden's behavior. He was president. Didn't he know what Biden was doing? You mean Robert Peters? No, I mean Obama. Why, as president, <laughs> no, that was Biden's know? fake name, Robert Peters. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But why yeah, did well, he I, know what I, his I, vice president was up to? I, I, well, I think you're right. And I think this does open the door to, to look at former President Obama and what he may have known. The, the question is, when you have these things, that, that's always the question, right? Something the great one Mark Levin taught me was you always have to find out what did he know and when did he know it? And, and that's what I want to know. You know, what did Obama know? Was this uh, Biden operating in a shroud of secrecy uh, underneath the nose of Barack Obama? Was he the, the shot caller? Was he the one pulling the strings or was Biden, you know, in business for himself on the side. I don't know the answers to that. I do know that Obama's not on those emails um, from what I've seen. So all we could really do is look at him and say, you know, why didn't you know what was going on? And the fact is, uh, at least, you know, to date, hasta la fecha, we, we, don't, um, we don't have any reason to think that Obama's making a comeback. Although there's a lot of people that say, don't worry, just keep waiting. Michelle Obama's going to be a sneak attack surprise candidate. And she could be. Uh, I just I can't imagine why she'd want to be, you know, when you're in the White House, you lose money if you have money and they've got money now. They've got hundreds of millions in deals and contracts and endorsements. And you look at a guy, the last guy that went in there with a bunch of money, he, he left, you know, um, 
half a billion dollars poorer, uh, Donald Trump. So I can't imagine the Obamas saying, you know what, right now we party on yachts, we, we make all this money with Netflix, we're doing all sorts of things. Why on earth would they want to go back into the White House? I don't think it gives them any additional power. He's still Obama. You know, they're still going to treat him like royalty wherever he goes. But good question, why aren't we looking at Obama? And I think that the, the folks in the House are. But the, the focus has to remain on Biden because Biden's the one that's in the White House today. And if they make their case effectively, they're going to say, if Joe Biden was involved in criminality with corruption in Ukraine when he was vice president and now he's forking over money, hand over fist, uh, money, weapons and you know other types of aid, but mainly money, right? We're spending a lot of money in Ukraine. Then is there a connection, right? Why are we doing it? And I think those are the questions we need to ask. And lamentably, Obama's not a part of this, so we can't really scrutinize him the way we can scrutinize Biden because Congress has that oversight function that's their constitutional mandate. So I think that's why we don't. But again, in the court of public opinion, where I get to be the judge, uh, yes, I'm, I'm here with you, and I say Obama's guilty as charged, Valerie. Okay, and also I just want to say if the shoe is on the other foot, if it was Pence with Trump, what would happen? Right. They would be skewering Trump <laughs> and say, Trump and his buddy Pence, Trump and his, you know, his uh, his unindicted co-conspirator Pence. And you're right. And that's exactly what it would be. And there's always that unfair double standard, which I think is terrible. But it is what it is. And and it's it's lamentable, to, to say the least. What's your thought? Um, with uh, these emails and all of these fake names that Biden's put out there? I think it's terrible. You know, but it, there's corruption everywhere. This is the thing that bothers me. It's it's all over, you know? It's everywhere. I even think it's down to the, uh, you know, lower levels of government. That people just try to get away with stuff. And even individuals try to get away with stuff. It's just... Everybody's trying to get over Yep. Sadly. Yep. Well, Valerie, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. It's nice to hear your voice this evening. Plattsburgh, New York, everybody listening to WVMT out of Vermont. Big shout out to all of you guys. And folks, we're going to continue with our journey across the country. Let's go to San Francisco, California, to David, who's listening to Rich Valdez America at night dot com. David, welcome. Oh, thanks, Rich. Um, yeah, I was spurred to call when you were talking. Uh, well, actually, in the very beginning of the show, I, I noticed you were trying to toss women and children out of public housing uh, because if they had children, it would make uh, a mindset that they deserved a house. Did, did you really want to throw women and children out of public housing? Yes. Okay, so that's the kind of creep you are. Uh, mm-hmm. the other thing I, it, I would also like to throw talking, all of the men, any deadbeats that are there, I'd like to throw them out of public housing. I would like to make public housing temporary and not a permanent cudgel for anybody that's trying to succeed in America. We live in a, in a country that is probably the, the greatest country in the world, in my opinion. And when you have such a country where there's opportunity, where you can do anything. I mean, really, you, you can make a dollar out of 15 cents and make a life for yourself. And to preclude anybody, whether it's because of race or socioeconomic status or whatever and what have you, and to sentence them to a a life sentence of poverty by putting them into a public housing system that's designed to keep them poor and keep them corralled into this this one place that they call a project, 
uh, I say, absolutely, kick them all out, let them all live life. I want them in the suburbs. I want them living in the nicest neighborhoods this country can afford them. And I want them to have the best opportunity at the best job and the best education. Because guess what? You or nobody else that wants to send their kid to a good school sends their kid to a school in a bad neighborhood where it, where it's filled with housing projects. It's quite the opposite. People, when they want their kids to do well, they send them to a neighborhood where they have a good school. So I'm tired of people, whether it's because they're, they're black or they're brown or whatever, don't sentence minorities to a life sentence of poverty because of stupid government programs. Making that up on the spot, right? Who of owns course. these public housing projects? I would say David in San Francisco owns them. Why are you doing this to people, David? Uh, well, it's interesting because you remember who Woody Guthrie is, right? Don't know Woody Guthrie. What do you want to tell me about him? Woody Guthrie used to live in a housing project. He was a famous songwriter. He was uh, very famous from a hundred years ago, the Great Depression. Uh, he wrote. Oh, the guy with the song, the, the "This Land Is Your Land, This Man, This Land yeah. Is My Land." Well, you know who else comes from a housing project? Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, probably the best brain surgeon on the planet, who's separated Siamese twins. There's a lot of people uh, that come out of a housing project, and there's a lot of good stories. But they're few and far between when you look at the, the grand scheme of things. So I wasn't saying to eliminate uh, the, the idea of a safety net of, of public housing. What I am saying is do not make it a permanent fixture in anyone's life because they're losing out on the opportunities that potentially await them. Okay, in the case of Woody Guthrie, uh, the housing project he lived in was contracted by a private developer and, uh, and was run down by that private developer who got full payment from the uh, uh, government, whether it was the city government or whether the feds, and that, uh, the owner was old Mr. Trump. Wonderful. Look at that. Trump played a good part in Woody Guthrie's uh, story. Look at that. Well, Dave, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I also appreciate you calling me a creep. It's always better when you get some a little fanfare. Anyway, folks, we're coming right back. Your calls and more coming up straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. crisis anymore. Just look around. Historic floods. I mean, historic floods. More intense droughts. Extreme heat. Significant wildfires have caused significant damage like we've never seen before, not only throughout the Hawaiian Islands in the United States, but in Canada and other parts of the world. We've never seen this much fire. And while we're dealing with this latest extreme weather event, I remain laser-focused on recovering and rebuilding efforts in Maui. We were out there, and many of you were there as well. It's devastating what happened there. And yes, it is devastating what happened in Hawaii, but I got to tell you, historic floods. I mean, there's this one that they wrote about in this book called The Bible. So like, hey, historic flood, quick, somebody call Noah, tell him I need an ark. I mean, the, the things that Biden says, you've got uh, a hurricane, and they 
immediately go to ban gasoline, gasoline consuming cars. This is the end of the world, right? There's a shooting. Some crazy does bad, evil things. Instead of banning the crazies, we're banning the gun that the guy used to do it. This thinking is so backward. There's nothing that, there's no law that can be made to stop the change in the climate that they presume, right? And, and, I, and I don't necessarily agree with their thinking. There's no law that's going to stop a flood. Only, only if they can convince you that you and your gas-powered car and your plastic straw and your plastic shopping bag from the grocery store are causing that flood. Then only will you believe that their law will stop this flood. This is the most backward thinking I've ever seen. It's, there's no common sense to it at all, but this is where we are. So ban the guns, ban the gasoline, ban anything you don't like, ban free speech because we don't like that stuff. Absolute crazy town. Let us go to Carol. Uh, Carol is calling from Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Carol, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, I've got a comment about Mitch McConnell and Alice Cooper. So I guess I could start my Alice Cooper one first. It's pretty short. He's been a Christian for years. So that's probably why he's changed his views from the 70s. Right. Yeah, I, I remember know. he had some involvement with uh, Grand Canyon University. And, um, and, and yeah, that's probably something that makes sense. But again, I think... If you know that you're endorsing a product that's uh, an LGBTQ company, you know, or a makeup brand that is synonymous with with that community, uh, you're and you know that it's not something that you're uh, on the level with or whatever, then then perhaps you probably shouldn't, right? So I think he kind of walked into that one on his own. But yeah, I, I think what you're what you're saying makes some sense for sure, Carol. What's your uh, other thought? Well, Mitch McConnell, there's two things I think that might be causing the scares, and they're both something things that can be treated, but they're things that also increase with age. And one could be petty moth seizures, uh, where where people just stare, yeah, and um, and totally lose consciousness. I had a, a woman I knew that did this. All of a sudden, when she was older, she never did it before. And then it also could. I'm wondering if it could be TIAs. Those are called mini strokes. Sure, a transient, transient ischemic attack. attack. Yeah. Ischemic attack, you put it better than I did. So yeah. I just and, wonder and, if those two could be things that could be, and they could be treated. And considering Biden cannot be, he cannot get better at all, even a little bit. And you've got, um, oh, the one that's in, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren. She's, I mean, there's so much worse that I think if people keep saying he needs to quit, well, they need to quit more. You see what I mean? They need to oh, leave yeah. more than he Yeah, I, I think you're talking about Diane Feinstein, not Elizabeth Warren. While Elizabeth Warren is off her rocker, she's she's still young and healthy. Uh, I think Diane Feinstein's the one that's in the wheelchair and it has power. Her family has power attorney over her decisions, and yet she's still a sitting member of the United States Senate. And I think that's crazy. But you're right. And and I think it, it's a, an important conversation to have that, you know, while I make fun of him as a person, as a politician, I'm not going to make fun of him having a medical episode in public the way he did. And I feel badly about that. Uh, I feel badly that he's going through this. And I feel even worse that his family's subjecting him to all of this. And then they put out a statement saying, look, 
He's going to consult the physician. We're, we're okay. Everything's fine. They never answered the question, by the way, which was, are you planning on running for re-election in 2026? And he did not answer it uh, for, for anything. But the idea that you would take a person that is dealing with um, Senator John Fetterman, it's another case where he had a stroke during uh, the, the days before the election. And I understand, that, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But I also understand bowing out for a moment and saying, let me take a moment to get better. Instead, he goes straight through the finish line. Then he says he's taking off an, an, an indefinite amount of time for, for depression, to be treated for depression. Let me tell you something. I'd be depressed, too, if my family forced me to take a political job that I didn't want to take when I wasn't prepared to do it, when I wasn't strong enough to do it, when I wasn't up to capacity and able to actually effectively do the job. And more than anything where you, you can't heal because you're under so much stress and pressure from a job like that. So, yeah, I think the whole thing is messed up. And if people can't objectively look at this and just say, all right, who's on the Republican side, whether you like them or not, Chris Christie has his mental faculty just because he doesn't like Trump or he doesn't like certain um, aspects of, of different policies and, and he's on the attack doesn't mean that his brain isn't working right and that he's, you know, not able, not competent. He is able. He is competent. I mean, irrespective, uh, Tim Scott, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, just so many of them. No matter what you've got on that on, on the Republican side, to me, all of them are outperforming Joe Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, because ultimately he's in bad shape. And if you compare these same guys to Mitch McConnell, Mitch the Turtle McConnell, is he? Um, same thing, right? He's just not in good shape. He's freezing. He, he needs help. He needs rest. And, and they shouldn't be subjecting him to that and by way of doing that, subjecting the American people to that as well. Carol, I want to thank you for the call. Uh, I appreciate it. Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. We continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Well, Mr. Valdez, you have one of the greatest shows that radio has ever had. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So the average salary that a single person needs to survive in the United States is an income of $57,000 per year, 57200 to make a living wage in America, according to analysis by Go Banking Rates. Now, there are some states that are more expensive than others, uh, New York making the uh, top five, but very interesting to see how this thing shapes up. And it's, uh, it's interesting right? Uh, the amount for American workers, regardless of marital status, is 59428 according to Forbes magazine. 
So it, it's in the ballpark of people saying this is what you need to, to get by to survive. Uh, and of course, that's going to depend on the city that you're in. Now, Hawaii came in as the most expensive state for singles, requiring them to rake in an annual salary. Listen to this, $112,000 a year in order to live comfortably. Unfortunately, the average yearly salary in the Aloha state is 61420 which explains why my brother visited Hawaii not too long ago, maybe 10 years ago, and he came back and said, beautiful place, honestly didn't want to leave, but never seen so many homeless people. And he said, and who wouldn't want to be homeless in a gorgeous place like Hawaii? So I thought that was his big takeaway. You know, not, oh, the food was great, the people are great, none of that. He said, there's a ton of homeless people, and I don't blame them, and I wanted to stay. So that was an interesting uh, take. But, yeah, it cost a bunch of money to live in a lot of different places. Uh, folks in the Golden State, $80,000 a year, but the average salary is 73000 So people are in, in rough shape right now. The, the numbers aren't going up uh, for people's salaries as much as they are for the cost of living, and I think that's the big issue here. Anyway, let's go to the phones, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let's check in with our buddy Derek from Jamestown, New York, WJTN. Derek always has an earful for me. Derek, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, assalamu alaikum. What's up, my brother? How are you? Hey, you're supposed to say wa alaikum salam. Oh, well, thank you. Tell me what, what's on your mind. What has piqued your interest this evening? Well, um, a few things. The first one is the president with these fictitious aliases. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell, tell how he did it and why he did it. All right, now, go for it. Right. Now, everybody knows him. So if he goes, and sign his name to somebody else that would never work because everybody know him. He can't do it. Okay. And so now the why, why is because he's hiding something and he had to have people go and put those names down because they're not known as he is. Right. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent explanation, Derek. Um, he's obviously hiding something. He said he wasn't dealing with Hunter Biden's businesses in Ukraine. Uh, the emails are regarding Hunter Biden's business in Ukraine with him copying a fake name because he's hiding and lying about what he knew about what Hunter was doing. And again, while, while Hunter was dealing with addictions and whatnot, he was on the board of um, probably one of the biggest uh, energy companies in Ukraine, Burisma, that deals with liquid natural gas. And Biden says, I had nothing to do with that because, again, he was a vice president. And I can tell you from my own time in government, I, I and I say this a lot if you listen to the show before you've heard this story, but when I, you know, you get sworn in, you take an oath to the Constitution when I, I worked in the um, state government. And, and the, one of the first things they tell you is, look, you have to avoid even the appearance of any impropriety. You just have to. And, and they went so far to make the, the example in the ethics training. They said, look, you have to make sure it doesn't look like you're getting paid off or persuaded or wined and dined. And they said, that's why if somebody offers you something that's, that costs more than $5, you've got to respectfully decline it or you have to fill out the appropriate paperwork 
to accept this gift. And I'm talking about, and they clarified, and they said, so we're talking about a cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts is acceptable, but a cup of coffee from Starbucks might be 550, and that's not acceptable. So according to the state regulations, you would have to, you, me, I, whatever, would have to fill out a request for a waiver of the ethics policy to say, I would like to accept a gift that I believe is worth more than $5. That's the rule. I don't think anybody's doing that, but that's the threshold. And if that was the threshold for me being a sub-cabinet official, I was not a big deal in, in, a, in a governor's administration at the state level, I can't imagine when you are the vice president of the United States dealing with folks in Ukraine, threatening to have prosecutors fired, then getting these prosecutors fired, then saying, okay, in exchange for that, I'm going to give you loan guarantees. This is an issue. And 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 that's why I think he's he's hiding, like you said, and that's why he's changing his name, because he lied about what he did and he doesn't want to get caught. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to, Derek. Yes, and the other gentleman that you uh, interviewed, his, his name was Steve Rogers? Yes. Right. I would like you to give him my telephone number because I'm blind and I got a big fish on the line. And Steve Rogers is a is a wonderful person, a wonderful American. He's a decent man. He wants to do something good. He's looking he's looking to do good. And I got an opportunity that he would love. Well, you know what? You should check out his website. It's campaignforamerica.org. Uh, I don't have his phone number. Uh, our, one of our producers that's not in the studio tonight is the one that set up the interview. But I can tell you that he's a, he's a good guy, and I met him many years ago, very briefly, hello and goodbye type of thing. But uh, he's a good guy. He shares a name with Captain America, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you're right. I think he's a, he's a patriot. He's a great American, and he's a good guy just like you. And uh, I appreciate that. So good luck with making that connection. I appreciate it, Derek. Big shout-out to everybody in Jamestown, New York, WJTN. And we will come right back to your calls. We've got calls coming in from all over the place. The first one that's popping up on my screen is Pennsylvania. We're going to get to that momentarily. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. It's now common knowledge that our welfare system has itself become a poverty trap, a creator and reinforcer of dependency. That is uh, the late, great President Ronald Reagan, uh, his now famous quote that it's now common knowledge that our welfare system has itself become a poverty trap, a creator and reinforcer of dependency. And this is what I was talking about earlier. I started the show talking about this. It was not a rail against welfare per se, but more so the poverty trap. America is not synonymous with a poverty trap, and that's why I think we, we need to make sure we stay cognizant of these things and not embrace these poverty traps as somehow helping people. Um, yes, you help them for a moment, but you help them to succeed. You don't help them to stay in the poverty trap. Let's go to the phones, 
833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Katie, Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Um, I absolutely agree with you, and I am on welfare and social security disability, but I didn't used to be. I used to work for TWA. I had good things mm-hmm. going for me, but then I got burnt out, and I went from $60,000 a year down to minimum wage working as a cashier at Giant. Doing so, I had all these Gucci mamas come through my line all the time with their Mr. T starter sets and loads of welfare food stamps. And I got angry one day, and I decided, well, you know what? What can I do to get what they got? And I did what I had to do. And now what? Now what? I'm poor, and I can't get out of it. You know what, Rich? I fell on my knees last time I had a vote because all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, my God, I have to vote for a Democrat because if I don't, I'll get cut off. Wow. That's, that's heavy. Well, first, let me tell you, I'm really sorry you're going through that. And it sounds like you've been through a tough time. And th- these social safety net programs are designed for just that, to be a social safety net. You know, so if you fall off the tightrope, the net below you catches you. Uh, but, of course, it sounds like you're a very hardworking person and wanted to continue working hard. But there might be some health issue and you're on disability. And I get that. And, and I wish you the best. But people do get frustrated with a system that becomes a poverty trap. And for some, this is a lifestyle. For others, it's a necessity because of health or or another reason. But the main thing we don't want to do is what Reagan called welfare queens in that one uh, ad many years ago, uh, is we don't want to create this generation or or a, a perpetuation of, you know, generation after generation after generation becoming welfare queens or kings or anybody else. To me, it's the gender. It doesn't matter. It's the idea that you get hooked on a little bit of free cash as opposed to getting hooked on the American dream, which could give you, you know, un- unlimited amounts of opportunity, Katie. And make you feel good, you know, all at the same time. I mean, it's just it, I, coming from being wealthy and now being not. I, I can see it from both ends. And I thought, you know, what happened to that Reagan rule that said from 1988? You're right. And you know what? It's not just uh, what what happened with the Reagan rule on that. What happened to all of the conservatism that Reagan espoused and brought to the table? Katie, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. The music means I've got to go. So it's time for me to bid you adieu. Take care. Good night and God bless. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez. We're going to do it all again tomorrow. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.